This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. Here we go. The seats are down. The the rest is over. The we're we're locked into that that roller coaster of fun. Another episode is about to begin. I'm excited, man. I've had the coffee, and I'm excited for this guest. I'm gonna need to bring my A game because who is she? She's a leader, a teacher, an author, a helper, and as you're gonna find out, an amazing person, award winning health and well being expert. She's working with people, workplaces, communities pushing them to push themselves to move forward. A two-time author of Thriving When Your Cosmic Egg is Cracked. Who can't relate to that? <laughs> and then also Mindful Exercise, A Bridge Between Yoga and Exercise. Man, what a great timing this one is. Voted one of the 12 most powerful women of the mindfulness movement. Founder of Thriving with Cheryl Jones. Who could it possibly be but Cheryl Jones? Welcome to the show. Casey, thank you so much for inviting me to, to be here. And, you know, this is such an important time for all of us. Um, you know, when I wrote my book, uh, Thriving, When Your Cosmic Egg is Cracked, back in 2017, that was obviously way before COVID. Yeah. And I just feel like it's so much even, it's more relevant today than it was, you know, even back then. And, you know, to me... I mean, I wrote the book because it was very much a reflection of my own journey and dealing with adversity in, in my own life. And my story, just the, you know, the highlights, the cliff notes, if you will, is that back in 2001, um, I went through a really difficult time. Um, my husband at the time was indicted for a number of white collar crimes he went to prison. We got divorced. I was a solo parent for 10 years. And at the time I was a stay at home mom and I had to figure it out. And it was, took every ounce of strength and resilience. And I deeply relied on my mindfulness practice to get me through that very difficult time. And we all have a story. Anybody that we look at any day has their own story of things that have happened in their lives that have caused them to um, experience pain and suffering. It's it, that's life. It's the human journey. And you think about whatever we struggle with as human beings, just as regular people walking around every day. And we're a whole person. We bring our whole selves to work. And this idea, this myth of compartmentalization where you separate out all the parts of yourself, it really is impossible. I'm not saying we should bring all of that to the workplace, but the truth is, is that that's what we're holding as we go through life. And so for me, as I've been talking to people about you know, what does it mean to thrive after everything that we're managing as people, after all of the demands of the workday, and put on top of that all of the changes and the forced changes, you know, not the changes that we would choose, all of the 
forced uh, changes that have come with uncertainty related to this pandemic on top of all the stuff we were already managing before. It really is no wonder that we do have a mental health crisis in the US right now. We are struggling and it's no wonder why people don't know what work-life balance is and are struggling to go back into the workplace for all kinds of reasons. You know, we're a little bit lost right now and that's okay. That's natural. It's not, you know, we shouldn't be criticizing ourselves. My goodness, we're still standing. It's a miracle after what we've been through. So to me, this is a really important time to have this conversation about work-life balance and what does it actually mean now? You know, most people that I'm talking with are experiencing just like this blur. They're, forget compartmentalization. There's, for many people, no more commute. There's no more separation. You know, we're doing our jobs alongside of our families, in our pajamas, you know, receiving deliveries, letting people into our homes to do work. Like we've witnessed each other's lives over the last year and a half. And through this window, I think that it, we've, we've really developed a sense of maybe understanding, compassion, a connection to each other that maybe we didn't have before because you're trying so hard every day to you know, put your game face on and pretend that everything is just fine. Well, everything is not just fine and that's okay. We have to meet ourselves where we are and what the question that I've been asking myself and the question that I've been exploring with other people is, you know, what if we learned, what if we could learn to work with this blur, to embrace this blur instead of trying to create all this separation between work life and say, okay, now I'm working and now I'm not. And now, and now I'm cooking dinner and now I'm helping the kids and now I'm doing my, it just is, it's, it's, it's an unrealistic expectation. So Mm. to me, I'm very curious about this working with the blur and helping people have that conversation. And what I'm seeing is that it's empowering. It's freeing. It's liberating that, oh, stop trying to hold all these unrealistic boundaries and just let myself be in the moment wherever I am. Is that the blur being in the moment? Well, I think the, to me, the blur is the, um, there's no more boundary. You know, we're one minute we're responding to an email or we're in, you know, a video conferencing call and the next minute we're literally running over to stir the pot (laughs) for what's for dinner or throwing a load of laundry in or helping a child, you know, with something that they need help with or moving to a different room because now your partner, your spouse, your roommate, you know, you're sharing space. Like we're in this constant state of, there's just no clear boundary for many people. Certainly that's not the case for a lot of people, people who are healthcare workers and people who are 
and retail businesses are face-to-face in a different way. But for a lot of people, this working remotely is, I think, where the blur is experienced more than anything. And so for me, being in the moment is relying on my mindfulness practice. So if I just could back into that, what is mindfulness? Mindfulness is being present in the moment. It's being present for whatever is happening within us and around us and letting that awareness of what's happening in the moment inform what we do next. So being present in the moment is actually a skill that we can practice through through mindfulness meditation and the awareness of our thinking, our emotions, you know, whatever's happening within the body, the breath. So learning how to bring awareness into the moment can help us to see, hmm, okay, every, there's, there's 10 things in front of me and everything feels like a blur. What really is the priority? Where do I put my energy now? Right. Where, where do you invest that energy in that time? But being, being mindful about it, being intentional about where you invest it. Yeah. And so in order to be able to do that, because as we're powering through the day on autopilot, we don't always give ourselves permission to be intentional. We're just sort of putting out the fire that's in front of us and maybe not being as effective or not having the clarity to see what really is the priority. And so that really matters as we are trying to embrace um, this, this blur, this lack of boundary between myself. What do I need? What do my loved ones need? What does my boss need? What do I need as a leader? You know, what do I need to show up and get my work done with as much ease as is possible? Right. So a question that I will, um, you know, oftentimes ask myself as I'm going through the day is what is the most self-caring choice that I can make right now? And if I am willing to stop and tune into my breath for a few minutes and just notice the thoughts that are going through my mind and just give myself a little bit of space to get out of what we call fight or flight, that's when the body is in stress reactivity mode. And that's typically the mode that we operate in when we're powering through. We've got adrenaline and cortisol pumping through the bloodstream. And when that's happening, you know, we're in this state of high alert and we don't always see clearly what is the best use of my time and energy? How do I want to show up for this meeting right now? And so by giving ourselves permission to pause and to take care of ourselves, that helps us to have the clarity that we need to show up and be present in the next meeting to be there for other people in meaningful ways to say words that are going to help us be able to 
move forward and eventually thrive forward to say or do the thing that is actually going to be helpful to each other. That's to me what having a mindfulness practice and pausing can really help us to see moment to moment, hour to hour, where to put my energy. You know, one of the things that really stood out to me was the, the idea that when you're on high alert, when you're running from the tiger, you are thinking about the tiger. You're not thinking about anything else. You're not really in your body's okay with it and your mind's okay with it. It's okay. Not you're, you're, you're basically saying, I'm not going to make any rational decisions right now other than get away from the tiger. So everything else may be a terrible decision. I'm just going to get away from the tiger. But the problem is, like you brought up, if you're constantly trying to utilize fight or flight to just you know push through, like you were saying, then you may be inadvertently just be making terrible decisions like caveman like decisions or cave woman decisions because your body's like, nope, nope, just go. Don't worry about anything else. And I think the modern equivalent of that tiger can, at least for the busy executive, can often be your calendar. You know, if your calendar says you have eight meetings today, then you're thinking about this meeting, then this meeting, then this meeting. And yes, you're in the you're in the flow, but you're also probably pushing forward when you're not really thinking about yourself. Like maybe you need a little break time in there, but instead you're like, well, one more meeting. What what could it hurt? But maybe you're inadvertently making all of those meetings of running from the tiger and you're not re- really able to put your best self forward. I love that. It's so true. The running from the tiger, uh, great example. Um, and, and it's so true. We do become oftentimes slaves to our calendars and the beauty of having a mindfulness practice. Um, and just to clarify, having a mindfulness practice means that we, for five or 10 or 15 minutes are willing to stop, to be still and to be with ourselves and to learn, like learning how to be with ourselves is a skill. Learning how to notice a thought and then let it go and then come back to the breath. Learning how to be with a strong emotion like fear, like anger, like worry, even excitement or happiness, but learning how to work with strong emotions, learning how to tune into the body. This is a skill and it can be uncomfortable at first, but when we're able to give ourselves permission to stop again, let's say for 10 minutes every day, we actually strengthen our awareness muscle. And then that is what we use to notice when am I behaving like I'm running from the tiger and with humor, not self-criticism, just with curiosity. Oh, how interesting. What does it feel like in my body to be running from the tiger and to notice what that feels like and let that be a cue to say two feet on the ground. Let me look at my calendar and ask myself, what is this moment calling for? Do I need to do all eight meetings, which one could I let go of? Which one really isn't critical for today? Which one could I bump to tomorrow so that I can be present, more present for myself and others and more effective, do less and be more effective, 
rather than just check all the boxes and <laughs> go to the next day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Huh. I'm, I was, as you're saying that I'm looking at my calendar, I would love to get some, some practical advice. Can you teach us all how to be with ourselves? Like, what does it take? Practically speaking, can I come out of this podcast knowing how to be more present with myself? Like, what, what do I have to do? Well, we could do a short practice right now, and I could lead you through a short practice yeah. and show you what it means to be, right? It's yeah, like, let's do it. Let's be. Okay. So to being requires simply a willingness, a willingness to stop, which is really not the easiest thing to do because when we're in this go mode and powering through, the last thing we want to do is stop. It's like, how does that help me be more effective? So we first have to notice that there's a resistance to stopping and lovingly notice that it, it's okay to have a resistance to stopping. But if we're willing to kind of get over that and say, I am noticing that I really don't want to stop, but I'm going to do it anyway, because I'm going to trust that this is going to help me have a more effective day and to show up the way that I mean to show up. And so being first requires a willingness to stop. And so just kind of noticing that, and then we bring the body into a posture that supports practice. So we say upright and dignified. So we can just place our feet on the ground and let the hands rest in the lap somewhere comfortably lowering or closing the eyes. My eyes are closed and just softening the abdomen, opening the chest and throat, lifting the crown of the head towards the sky. And just taking a moment to notice what it feels like to be in this purposeful position in your chair, in your space, Maybe checking in, aware of your general state of being right now, noticing how the mind is. Maybe it's flooded with thoughts or maybe not so much. Checking in on how you're feeling and noticing what's happening in the body. Maybe feeling the feet on the ground or feeling the body supported by the chair and any other sensations. And now bringing the awareness to the breath, to your breathing, and just knowing that there's no technique here. We're simply noticing that the body is breathing. beginning to follow the flow of the air moving in and out. And noticing that the breath has texture. Maybe it's shallow or choppy or smooth or deep. No need to change the breath in any way.
Noticing where you feel the sensations of breathing, maybe the air at the tip of the nose or movement at the chest or belly. And seeing if you can rest your awareness on the sensations of breathing. Letting the breath be just as it is. Letting yourself be just as you are. And if a thought comes into the mind, you don't need to block it out. Notice the thought, let it go, release it, and then come back to the next breath in and the next breath out. And let's just follow three more cycles of breathing, being as present as is possible for each one. And now beginning to transition, gently opening the eyes if they were closed and noticing how you feel right now, getting reacquainted within your space. And thank you so much for that practice. Yeah, that was outstanding. I think it's the first time I've ever had some mindfulness on a podcast episode, but I can imagine that that might become a favorite for some people. Learning how to stop is not an easy thing to do, but it is, I believe, one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves as we're learning how to manage this space that we're in these days. You know, the, the work-life balance, the, the blur, the learning how to survive and then eventually thrive. Um, stopping, stopping actually helps us to go with more clarity, with more purpose, with greater ease, with less wear and tear on ourselves and each other. Mm -hmm. I, I experienced that in like a micro microcosm of, because you know, we're on a podcast and I'm taking notes to learn from you. And as we started, I was thinking, oh, that's a really interesting thought. Did you want to take a note on that? And I think I did take one and then it, and the next one happened. And eventually I, I was like, well, I can't remember to say all of these things when we, when we come out of this. So I'm just going to let that one go. Or I tried to write, I tried to write with my eyes closed. And eventually I was just like, well, whatever, let it go. And then just focus on the moment. But initially I was like, oh, this would be great to share afterward, but let that go. You're not on a podcast anymore. You're just being present. And yeah, that was awesome. I see, I could, I could see the value of, you know, those eight calls you have in the afternoon and you're going to wear yourself out. Maybe, maybe one of those needs to get rescheduled and you put a little time in there for you. 
uh, to you know, listen to this podcast again or, or find your own mindful practice, but just to be able to recharge a little micro recharge, even if it's not a nap, but it is almost like a, a mental nap. It's so interesting that you say that a couple things on, um, it is giving the brain a break mm. because we're processing and we're moving so fast and so much is expected of us. We can barely, we can barely keep up. And I truly believe that is one of the core reasons why we're experiencing this mental health crisis is that our brains really can't do it. And the research has shown that multitasking isn't even possible. The brain right. it doesn't exist, not, right? It's like not even a it thing. It doesn't. So yeah. it is kind of busting these myths about work-life balance, multitasking. The brain can't do it. So all we're doing is dividing our attention, weakening, uh, weakening our ability to focus and then being more frustrated because we're wondering why we have to do the same task 10 times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's that stopping so we can go with more clarity and purpose and effectiveness instead of multitasking. Now, look, I'm not saying we're going to erase multitasking from our way of working, but what if we asked ourselves in this moment or for the next 20 minutes, can I just focus my attention on one thing and put aside other screens or put myself on do not disturb and just put my energy into one thing for 20 minutes. So again, mindfulness and having this moment to moment awareness can help us decide how we're going to go through the work day and when we can give ourselves a little bit of space. You know, you talked a little bit about the calendar before. What if our meetings were set up so that there was naturally a five or a 10 or a 15 minute window? You know, how long does a meeting actually need to be? And what if we purposefully set up our calendar so that we could give ourselves a breathing break or a bio break or whatever it is, like giving ourselves space throughout the day so that we can reset and then reset again, and then reset again. Hmm. Any practical tips on how to do that? I'm looking at my insane calendar right now. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that a lot of people talk about are, you know, it's, it's the inbox, right? And the old theory of compartmentalization is, you know, turn your computer off at 5.30 and don't look like, that doesn't happen anymore. Everybody's mm. always checking their inbox, no, no matter at all kinds of all at all hours, right? Right. So one practical idea I would say is let go of that, forcing yourself to check emails or not. Like to me, embracing the blur is okay. If you after you put the kids to bed or take the dog for a walk or have your dinner or whatever. Give yourself permission to say for the next however many minutes or an hour, whatever feels appropriate. I don't think tending to our inbox, you know, at 11 o'clock is the healthiest thing. But if we give ourselves permission to say from this time to this time, mm -hmm. I am going to check emails because that's going to give me peace of mind and whatever the next day is going to bring, it's going to bring. So I think rethinking 
how we think about our, our inbox and not putting unrealistic expectations of ourselves. Um, as I had mentioned, you know, another practical tip is to literally change the way you set up meetings. What if we set up only 20 minute meetings and only 45 minute meetings? What if we didn't have one hour meetings or half hour meetings? So we're building time in the day so that we can take a mindfulness break, lie down and stretch, um, go for a walk outside, even if it's just five minutes to go sit on the deck and get some vitamin D, sit in the sunshine, no matter what the temperature is. Um, you know, building a space for well-being into the day. And of course, this is all individual well-being. I think the other thing that's really important is, is connection. You know, when it's possible to get off of our screens and connect with the people in our lives, our neighbors, you know, if you live in an apartment building or you live you know, in a cul-de-sac, whatever it is, like get outside. I, I look out my window every day. I live in an apartment building and at 12 o'clock, there are at least 30 people down with their dogs. All, I know what they're doing. They're all taking a break because they're all working from here, but they're all with their dogs, enjoying each other for a few minutes. And then at one o'clock, everybody's gone. So like really finding meaningful ways to connect with each other. We need each other more, more than ever. And I also think that mindfulness helps us to really, as you had mentioned before, Casey, bring our best selves forward to really use language that is curious and non-judgmental and soothing. Um, we're, we're pretty mentally beat up after the everything that's happened between it's COVID, true. our political climate, our society at large, that's a big part of, I think, you know, our mental distress. And so to be loving with each other and kind with each other, to pick topics that are life-giving and not draining and to be really conscious. And a question that I will ask myself before I go into almost any conversation is how do I want this other person to feel when they leave my presence? Mm -hmm. And especially with the suffering that we've all been through to help us to be feeling united and connected to each other, our words matter more than ever. And having that awareness and intention going into conversations, we can bring each other, I believe, uh, great healing and our presence is, is a gift that we can give each other. I think it's, it is like the gift, right? Especially these days, it, the idea of attention, um, you know, even thinking about, you know, sitting with the kids and am I doing my thing or am I giving them attention, you know, and then what am I teaching them about, you know, the people you value, you give your, you give them attention. And that's such a great point and such a powerful word, because think about all that is competing for our attention mm -hmm. every day. No wonder we're so confused. It's we're being bombarded by things and machines and notifications and everybody and everything wants our attention. 
And again, having a mindfulness practice helps me to know and to remember, cause I get lost in it too. It's like, you know, you, 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 you get so confused and you're just like, where do I put my attention? But stopping, even if it's just for a minute to say, now, hold on here. <laughs> Let me get to my breathing, reground myself. Where do I put my attention? And when we make that decision to do our best, to give our full attention and to notice when we're getting distracted, notice when we're thinking what we're going to say when the other person finally stops talking, like it's really to, like you said, it is the gift to listen and not feel like we have to solve, you know, someone's problem all the time or even solve the problem. Let's just brainstorm some ideas without the pressure of having to come to a solution immediately. Can we explore it? I mean, sometimes there really is a fire drill and you need an immediate solution, but again, is it that kind of a time or do we have the luxury to give ourselves some space? So whether we're doing this at an individual level or we're doing this at, you know, the group level, this presence is, is a gift and we can help each other to know where do we put our attention now? You know, I guess, you know, one, one question I would have around that is I can see, cause I asked this question in my head as you were talking and then the answer sort of came to me. I was like, yes, but what if you're with someone who's really important to you and yet you're still, you know, your mind, mind's like, oh, but you know what? We could make that change at work. You know, we could do this. We could do that. I, I understand that even being aware, you're like, oh, my mind's going over there. Let's not try not to. But do you have any recommendations or best practices or tips uh, for bringing it back to the person you're with? Yeah, that's a great question. And here's the thing that the mind is always going to do that when you're working, you're going to be thinking out about things in your personal life. When you're with the people that you love in your personal life, you're going to be thinking about problems and your or challenges at work. That's the, the blur mind, we were talking about. We're, yeah. Right. We're, we're always where we're not. <laughs> the mind is the mind and the body are rarely in the same place. <laughs> right. And so it's recognizing that again, with a little humor, that's the human condition. And I think you gave a great example of noticing here I am with my spouse, my partner, you know, whoever, my friend, and I'm thinking about something else. That is awareness. The fact that you are noticing that you are not in the moment is awareness. And then you bring your attention. Anytime we bring our attention back to the breath. That is when the body and the mind get yeah. connected. And that's the time that we know that, oh, here I am, I'm back. So that's the cue. Whenever we see the mind is thinking about something that's not related to the conversation we're actually in, we notice it and we come back to the breath. No one even needs to see us doing it. It's not like we're taking a big inhale and making a big deal about it. It's just our own quiet awareness of coming back to the breath. And it's, oh, here I am. Okay, I'm here. <laughs> I'm right. back. And even if that happens a hundred times, that's okay. Right. So who are you? <laughs> who is Cheryl? <laughs> How did you 
you know, develop this expertise. Can you take me back in time to like little Cheryl days? Did you always know you're going to, were you always this mindful? Were you always like this? Um, you know, it's interesting. You hear people talk about callings and I kind of feel that way. You know, when I was 14, um, I started a swim camp in our backyard. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have a pool. And so in addition to babysitting, I taught all the kids in the neighborhood how to swim. And I, I think that was the first time that I realized that I love helping people be healthy. I love to help them be fit and to be empowered with a new skill. And that kind of carried over through, you know, my undergrad work. I had a great volleyball coach in high school and she inspired me to go down the same path. So undergrad health and physical education, um, became a personal trainer, continued to study exercise science through my graduate days. Um, but I realized that wasn't really enough. Like the physical fitness, the physical health piece was only part of it. You know, I always had these chronic sore throats and I'm like, I'm eating healthy. I'm exercising. Why am I always getting these sore throats? Cause I was burning the candle at both ends. I was doing yeah. too much. So that's when I started studying stress reduction in John Kabat-Zinn's mindfulness-based stress reduction program. Um, all the way through the teacher development intensive. So I'm officially a teacher of mindfulness, but that's also means I'm a student. I'm practicing right along with everybody else, beginner's mind every day. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, so that was body mind. And then it's like, okay, body mind, there's still something missing. Oh, spirit. So that's what drew me to university of St. Joseph's. And I studied to become a spiritual counselor I decided to not go down that path, but that's when I really started to understand what does it feel like to be a whole person? You know, me as a human yeah. being, myself first, and then how do I help other people experience this sense of wholeness as individuals? Um, yeah. So that's a little bit about my kind of, you know, health and well-being journey, but I'm a mom. I have two kids uh, who are grown and I'm grateful that, you know, they are um, out and working and contributing um, in the world. And um, I'm a lot of times, you know, hiking in the white mountains. I live here in Boston. So that's kind of like my go-to or right here in the Emerald necklace is um, right across the street. <laughs> So that's a little bit wow. about who I am. <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you done the, the 4,000 footers up there? I've done a few of them. Yeah. I've hiked yeah. Mount Washington a few times with my kids and um, yeah. Musilaki was the most uh, recent hike that I've done. Um, that's yeah, a beautiful I think one. I've done that, about that seven. one is just spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you're, you're in the woods, win the woods, and then you sort of, you come out in this particular mountain, you just come out to this open, it's like a high mountain prairie. Like there's like a grassy plain, but it's at, at the top of this mountain. There's no trees there. And then there's even a little, there's more of a climb to go, but you can now see where you're going, which is just kind of a rare treat. Sometimes with those mountains, you, you're like, Oh, I'm here, <laughs> but it's neat to see that's where I'm going and, and see your progress that you make. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting, a lot of the um, tundra 
that's um, you know such a, a prominent part of the the White Mountains is. I think such an example of, um, you know, resilience, like how did these plants figure out how to, uh, grow up here in this climate yeah. and flowers. And I think that's a lot like us, you know, that, um, dark times, challenging times, adversity, you know, that, which doesn't break us, even if we're temporarily broken, we can always return to wholeness and we can build resilience you know, like those flowers in the tundra, we too can build resilience. And um, I think that's really where my passion has always uh, been, where it's brought me. It was started out with helping people to be healthy and fit. And these days it's really, how do we survive and then thrive? Mm -hmm. Resilience, the bounce back is really, is the moment to to highlight. You know, that's that's the thing that we should put all the attention on and thing that we should praise people for. It's not that you got knocked down because we all do. It's were you able to get back up uh, after that? Yeah. And and who are we when we get back up? Mm. Because the beauty of um being leveled is that you rise and you're never the same. And right. you're a more beautiful, more resilient, more compassionate uh, version of yourself. That's the possibility. That's the hope that I see for for all of us is that um, there's a, a stronger, more loving, uh, resilient person that can um, be there moving forward and supporting other people as we journey forward. Love that. Absolutely love that. Cheryl, where can people reach out and how do you want them to connect with you, learn more about you? Um, what kind of resources and places? What, where should they go? I would say the main place would be my website, which is thrivingwithcheryljones.com. And you'll find there, um, you know, resources on the freebies page. So people can do uh, a number of uh, mindfulness meditation practices. There's audio practices. There are videos. And also I lead a, on Mondays at noon, just for 15 minutes, a live uh, via zoom uh, session. And so there are some free resources there and you can learn more about what mindfulness is and what my well-being model looks like. And I'm always happy to answer any questions. So you can just send me a note on the contact page too. <laughs> okay. So tell me about the Mondays at noon. What is that? Yeah. Mondays at noon are 15 minute mindfulness practice sessions and I lead them and we have a lovely uh, community that's begun and it's welcome. Everybody is welcome. You can bring your colleagues, bring your family, bring your friends. <laughs> and we do a mindfulness practice like we did earlier. Um, that was maybe, I don't know, I didn't time us, but maybe it was five minutes. So it's 15 minutes and I'll usually tee up with a little how this helps us so that we're always learning and growing and understanding what mindfulness really is and um, do a little practice together. And it's fun to not be alone sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. A little bit of community and we were made for community, you know, so that, that makes total sense. Cheryl, thank you so much for being on here. I, I felt like this is one of the best podcast conversations and places to learn. And we even got a little bit of a five minutes of mindfulness in myself and hopefully everyone listening. So thank you so much for being on here and just being so open and honest and just sharing what you know. 
Well, thank you so much for having me, Casey. Be well. Absolutely. And for those listening, if you learned something or if you took the time and if you, if you didn't, if you're like, why are they doing, go back and listen to that part again and then close your eyes and actually do that. You will be so happy that you did. But if you, if you did that, share this episode with someone else, someone else who could benefit from just five minutes of give, giving their brain a break. Um, and then try to update your schedule to, to build in those practices that we talked about here today. But share this episode with someone else, share that gift with someone else. And this has been Leadership in Action. We will see you all next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston Chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.